0: Perhaps with certainty I can say today that it may be not going to rain this week and therefore we'll be able to stop mowing four times a week all of our yards. This morning I'm going to um, recount some things and of the occasion last week that i just was not able actually to shake and so that's why part of what i'll be saying you will have already heard last week but i wanted to unfold some things in this that i think uh we we as people can identify with and that is that, uh, as, as we've been reading and studying throughout this particular series uh, of Abraham, that while we are and profess to be a people of faith, we want to have faith in God. We want to take him at his word. I do, and I know you do. Uh, at, at, at the same time, we we have to carry with us uh you know our our frailties our flaws and sometimes even failures and so uh, as we've looked at this um i've wanted to look at abraham and his faith and how that faith can lift us up above our flaws though we have them it can lift us up above them this morning i'm I'm going to look at it, uh, look at what we read last week, but more from a human standpoint, human nature. And I concluded that the best way for me to capture what I'm going to try to say is in the title Placing our faith in God sometimes is very difficult. And it's because of the things that maybe God is going to do or in the process of doing, uh, while at the same time we, we sometimes wonder or we question why, uh, you know. And so I concluded uh, it is sometimes very, very difficult. I heard a phrase that stuck with me, and I, and, uh, I don't even know who said it, to be honest with you. But it, it, the, the phrase was, this week, that I heard was, truth is like poetry. The problem is most people hate poetry. And that seems to be the case when it comes to truth, or when it comes to, in this case, God's word. God's words, uh, as we read them, you know, we embark, On trying to be faithful to God, trying to understand His words, uh, trying to find comfort sometimes in a very what I would consider a comfortless world, Uh, but I I think that's why God has preserved these things for us so that we might have insight. If you remember last week, The Lord visited Abraham, he was in his tent, he visited him, asked about Sarah, said that Sarah was going to have a son, but then things changed and the Lord with the two, we assume, angels, set their face towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And when they did, the Lord asked this question, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And that was one of the first phrases that struck with me, uh, stuck with me. Last week, I didn't go a lot into it, but then as I continued to unfold this in my own mind uh, this week, I see that there are three other questions that I think give us some insight as to sometimes the struggle of our faith in God. And remember, when I when we say faith in God, uh, it's taking God at His word. That's what faith is. We take God at His word. That what He says He's going to do, and 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 that is what we call f- faith. Our belief and our trust in Him. Well. When the Lord said that to Abraham uh, last week, uh, you know, my first thought was that that is very special to me uh, to be included uh, into the the mind and thought uh, and plans of God. We all would like that. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that very thing I want to know, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to know the fellowship of his suffering. So it's, there is an intimacy that we, I think we all desire with God. The, the issue is, and it's not a problem, but, it's, it, but it is an issue. The more intimate we become with God and God reveals things to us, sometimes it may be unsavory, unpalatable, difficult to say the least. But the scriptures tell us that those who fear the Lord, here, here's what the, uh, David wrote in Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So that means that if we try to follow God in our life of faith, he is going to reveal things to us, open our minds and our hearts, not only to ourselves, but also in this particular case to the landscape. The landscape in this passage, of course, is Sodom and Gomorrah, um, that area where Abraham was. But he's preserved that for us so that we too can understand that if we try to follow the Lord, if we attempt to follow the Lord, he will also reveal to us things of our own landscape, things of our own society, our world, our culture. But that's not all he reveals he also reveals what he will do and what he is going to do and it's at that point that that we as people of faith need to listen and then we still have to decide are we still going to take God at his word now in the next chapter which is chapter uh, you know 19 we see something I see human nature at its at its finest I see Abraham, I think, uh, was kind of set back about what had happened. In fact, what the Lord said to Abraham, are we going to, am I going to hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then the Lord spoke to him and he said, um, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, very grave, I will go down now and I'll see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that's against it, that has come to me, and if not, I will know. At that point, from my perspective, I think Abraham is beginning to hear maybe things that he doesn't really want to hear. And the reason I say that is because of his response. When we read his response in that chapter, we find, if you recall, if you recall... Uh, Abraham stood in front of the Lord, the two others went on to Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Lord stayed there with Abraham by the tent. And that's when we began to see that there was a, I call it a case being made, there was a dialogue, there was uh, not an argument, but there were reasons that Abraham was trying to come up with why not to do that. Why not to do it? And I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, all of us, um, and I think this is particularly human nature, we all understand the principle of evil and wickedness, do we not? We hate it. We read about it from a distance, and we don't like it. And we have all kinds of things. We're uh, backseat drivers. We're armchair quarterbacks about what we would do if we were... That, that's all good when it's principle, but things change when it becomes a person. When it becomes personal, we begin to perhaps shift a little bit. We begin to halt a little bit. And then I think that's exactly what Abraham was doing because if you recall, what he did, he started out the argument. He said, he said and this was his first question, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And from that, he then, uh, you know, went down a list of, if you find 50 or 45 or 40, uh, 30, 20, ultimately 10. And each time the Lord said, I will not destroy two things. I will not destroy the people and I will not destroy the place if I can find 10. Now, my thought was, why would Abraham be arguing for that? I mean, we saw in his past how he was vehemently against the evil when he went to war and he saved people. So, so, but in this case, it's almost like, is there not some sort of patience or is there not some sort of mercy I hear that a lot today regarding God when people say, well, God is a God of love. That is correct. But one thing that has to be understood is that the love of God is not a license to live like we want to. In fact, when you press and you study and you look, the love of God is accurately and succinctly defined by one thing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. God loved the world so much that he gave his son, but past that we cannot ignore God's justness, God's righteousness, God's wrath, God's word that he says he will will do certain things. In fact, it was God who said, my words, when they come out of my mouth, will not return unto me void. I will accomplish what I say I will accomplish. So... Abraham was was talking to the Lord before all of this took place and so the first question was would you destroy the righteous with the wicked and then the second question was would you also destroy the place and not spare it I have some thoughts personal not so much from pastoral but personal thoughts that I may I may share I don't know (laughs) we'll see they gave me a little extra time, so I've got time to share my, some of my thoughts on that. But it was the third question that really caught me. When he asked this question, he says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, in argument form, what he's done is he has put a rejoinder or he's put a rebuttal almost out there to the Lord about what's about to happen. And I think sometimes we, in our human nature, do exactly the same thing, and that's the difficulty of faith. Either we take God at his word and trust him that what he's going to do is be right, or we don't. And yet we find that our nature, like Abraham, is such that sometimes it's just difficult to hear or to read or to understand what God says he's going to do. I've heard over the years, and you have too, how could God punish people? You know, he's a God of love and all of this. Yet, what we find in the scriptures that are his, that are his words, we find more about his justness and about his righteousness and even about his wrath than we do his love. His love is very, very narrow. It's not uh, a credit card, as it were. It is a love given to those and for those who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior from what? The wrath of God. So, the question that I wrestled with this week, and I'm, just, I'm telling you where I've been and I'm just going to share with you where I've been and what's gone through my head. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it? And shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The question I'll pose for us today is as we read this next chapter is, did the judge of all the earth do right when he visited Sodom and Gomorrah? And it's been a kind of a difficult uh, pathway that I've gone through this because I don't want to just... I I don't want to belabor certain details or certain things that are not applicable, uh, but at the same time, I found myself, I cannot pass over this particular chapter of Abraham's life without addressing it. And the reason is because I think it's extremely applicable for where we live today. Because the question is, will the judge of all the earth do the right thing Okay, now with Abraham, that question was referenced, I think, specifically for his family, Lot. You see, he knew what Sodom and Gomorrah was, I'm sure. That had been probably, I don't know, 10, 20 years. And it became very apparent, obviously it was very apparent, uh, the kind of, uh, let's call it a sin city. We've got them in our country, they've got it all over the world. But it was apparent what kind of place it was. And obviously, someone had been praying to God about it, to do something about it, and here we find that he's getting ready to. Was it Abraham praying? You know, I can easily imagine that it could have been. But, you know, you've heard this, be careful what you pray for. I'm sure that he probably, when he heard I mean, if I was in my place, I would pray to save my nephew or I would pray to God, please help this person or please do this. I would. But be careful what you pray for, because God does things differently than what we think and how we approach things. So anyway, did the judge of all the earth do right? Did God do right? Well, let's just do a quick read in this. Um, The two went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot met them at the gate, and so he invited them in. But when they went into their house, the scriptures say that before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. Now, that tells me something. That tells me that whatever the city was all about, it had permeated everything both young and old and also I find that it didn't matter it was all generations so the, the idea here is that that whatever there was the wickedness or evil or whatever God was going to address was was had saturated so much that finally God was going to do something about it they called to Lot and there were men, and they asked, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we might know them. Lot went outside to meet them. He shut the door behind him, and he said, no, my friends, do not do this wicked thing. Now, that what that tells me is that Lot knew exactly where he was, and he knew the kind of place that he lived in, and he was very, very aware of it. The fact that he shut his door behind him, he did not want those of the city coming into the house, and he did not want those that were in his house to be out of the city as far as the visitors. And they, outside, told Lot, stand back. And the scriptures say that one of them said and began talking about Lot, saying, this one came in here to stay, and he keeps acting like a judge. Now we'll deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against against Lot and came near to breaking down the door." It was so permeated, there was so much evil, wickedness there, that unfortunately, even from our particular vantage point, we begin to understand or see that even back then, someone who was righteous or didn't want to do evil, they tried to silence them. Someone who they didn't agree with, they wanted to censor them. Someone that they did not agree with, they wanted to force their way into their lives and make them do what they want. Therein lies my struggle. That is our human nature, and that is where we live. We don't live necessarily in Sodom and Gomorrah, but we do live in a time when righteousness, rightness wants to be silenced. Wickedness and evil wants to be elevated. And what we as God's people must understand is that God does not wink nor does he ignore such things, especially from his own people. In fact, the scriptures are very clear that when it comes time for judgment of the world or of all humanity, you know what the Bible says? Of course you do. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It says, we know judgment will first begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where then shall the ungodly be? So the point is, Lot knew, God knows. And that's what I find interesting in this is that nonetheless, they still wanted to silence. They wanted to, they wanted to overpower. They, and Lot found himself... Uh, and kind of a quagmire. In fact, it says um, that then, after they tried to break down the door, the men inside, which we assume were in the angels, uh, messengers, uh, some of the old writers thought that uh, they were the angels of wrath, and they could have been. The men reached out of their hands, pulled Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. The men then said to Lot, have you anyone else here... Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whoever you have in the city, take them out of this place, okay? Now, uh, probably the majority of sermons that's ever been preached for decades, for centuries, has centered on this. Take them out of this place. And that's, that's an encouragement, that's an instruction, something that we still to this day need to listen to. Uh, For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Oh man, faith in God is sometimes very difficult. We hear things, we read things, and we know things that God says that it's just difficult. I think even Lot here, he went out I believe he believed the Lord, and, I, and I, we'll see that at the end. But Lot then, he believed what those two messengers said. And so he went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. Did you know from a historical standpoint that... Every empire or every nation that has embarked upon a path of either self-pleasure or upon disrespect for humanity has never survived. Never. And if we, as hist- we read history, we understand that, you know, even in our country and in our society, in our culture, that if we depart... From the very foundations of even how we were established, we are not just naive, but we are ignorant of something very, very important. And what is it? That the judge of all the earth will do the right thing. Ultimately, he will. Remember what we read Peter wrote. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is simply long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. However, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day with the Lord. And he will come as a thief in the night and he will do what he said. I'll paraphrase that. So they thought he was joking. Uh, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. That was another thing that struck me as we think sometimes that because we have faith in God that we will not be consumed, yet we have someone who later it will be said he trusted God and had faith in God, and that was Lot, and yet he had to be delivered. Even in our walk of faith, there are times that we are in danger and need to understand that as a person, As a people, as a country, as a nation, as the world, we are in danger and therefore we should heed the warnings that we have so wondrously in God's word. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him and brought him out and set him outside of the city. So it came to pass, when they brought them outside, that they said to Lot, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. At that point, Lot had difficulty, I think, from a human standpoint. Is it really true that everything I've known and what I've built up, is it going to be destroyed? If God has his hand in it, yes, it will be. Sometimes the places we love are destroyed. The things we hold dear to our heart are destroyed. I never thought, more from another standpoint, again, not so much from the pulpit, but just my own opinion, I never thought that I would see... um, such things that has taken place in the last 10, 15 years, even in our country. I never thought I would see such vitriol by people or such anger by people or such uh, wickedness done to the innocent of children. I never thought I would see that, at least in my lifetime, yet. What have I seen? What have you seen? We've seen that evil is a pariah. Evil is like a cancer. It will devour its host. And if left unchecked, all diseases will take over, always. Did the judge of all the world do right? Well, if we look at the wickedness of that particular place, yes, he did. And he answers that question. Because he saw that the evil the evil takes over now why would i say that it's interesting that lot believed but his sons-in-laws didn't i can understand that they married into a religious family let's say but his daughters his daughters even had problems evil affects everything around you and it will devour and leaves nothing left in fact when we track back the words of evil and wickedness, and we look at Diabolus or devil, one of the words, one of the words that describes the, uh, the prince of the world or the devil is manslayer. He is a manslayer. And that's exactly what happens when evil is in place. So here's what I would say to us, or here's what struck me. First of all, we know what happened. We know that They did destroy it. Lot and his daughters and his wife, they left. And for the time being, they were safe, but only because God is merciful. I'm not reading anywhere in here about the love of God. I'm reading about the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is what delivers us. Therefore, we should always thank him for that and not use the love of God as some license to live like we want to live. So the judge of all the earth knows the world in which we live. That's the one thing that really stuck with me as I was going through this. He does know the world in which we live. You know, very early on the scriptures recorded God's view of the world. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We used to do a, what we call a mind, a mind uh, not an experiment, but it was a mind exercise. Imagine the world, imagine the world you live in without church, without God, without religion. And then imagine what kind of world would it be. And it's very easy to start concluding and see that it would be a world of lawlessness. It would be a world of hate of crime. It's bad enough already, but without God and without his presence and without religion and without faith in God, it could be much, much worse. The scriptures also say that when it's left to us as mankind, all our ways seem pure in our own eyes. In other words, there seems a way that's right to all of us. But if it's in our own eyes, it always ends the same way. It's a detour. It's death. It's the Lord who weighs the spirits. It's the Lord who understands the the good and the bad. But specifically, here's what the Lord says. And this is why he understands the world in which we live. He understood the world in which Lot lived. He understood it. That's why he was going to do what he was going to do. But he also understands our world. Because way back when, he predicted where we are now. Here's what he said. Woe to those who call evil good and who call good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God knows the world in which we live. He knows where we are how we are, what affects us. He knows that we have faith. He knows that we want to do right, but he also knows that we also have flaws and we have failed. And sometimes trusting him is difficult. Along with that, the judge of all the earth has declared what's right and what's wrong. Now, we can come up with our own standard. Of course we can. But as people of God, we need to take into account His standard. And here's, here are a few things. The perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The ways of the wicked are an abomination of the Lord. And he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just are both an abomination of the Lord. So, you know, the Lord is very clear. The judge of all the earth has declared what's right and what's wrong. And like Abraham, the judge of all the earth wants us to know what he will do. Remember, he asked, Abra- he asked. He said, should, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? No, he didn't. He told him and he did it. He says the same thing through His Spirit to each of our spirits today. Is He going to hide what He's going to do? No. In fact, He has put throughout the Scriptures exactly, exactly what He's going to do. God will bring every work into judgment. Every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. It includes all of our lives and all of our So for us today... That one final question. Will the judge of all the earth do right? I think he will. It may be painful. It may be hard. But it will end up right. I think the Lord. Even though placing our faith in God is sometimes very very difficult. I believe that the judge of all the earth, will do the right thing. It will, it will involve all of us, I think. You know, we've, we've sometimes thought, I can remember thinking this, that our country is the most powerful country in the, in the world. I can remember thinking that, learning it in school, and believing it. Not realizing that empires greater than us have fallen long before us simply because They elevated wickedness more than they did goodness. And so it's become very real to me. Yeah, we could have a devastation. We could go through all kinds of pain and sorrow. Hope not. I pray not. In fact, I go to the prayer, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and call upon me, I will heal their land. I believe that God would. But if not, I still believe he'll do the right thing. The scriptures then say, in closing, that Abraham went out early in the morning after they had visited Sodom and Gomorrah to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and he beheld, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So not only did the Lord have mercy on Lot, but we also know that Abraham had a great concern for his nephew, and he prayed for him, and God delivered him. Finally, the scriptures do say something about Lot. Peter writes, 2 Peter, God delivered just Lot because he was vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, it vexed his righteous soul from day to day with all of their unlawful deeds. And then it says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Put our faith in the Lord, in God. The judge of all the earth will do the right thing. He will deliver those who love him. We may be affected, but he will deliver us. So, in, in, in faith, I have to conclude it is sometimes difficult to put our faith in God. However, it's righteous. When we put our faith in God in spite of the difficulties, we're promised that we can escape the infection. And we're also promised that we can be safe from judgment and destruction that God has promised he will do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can be in your house. This is your day. These are your words. May we take them to our heart. May we not lose heart, Lord, and may we not try to change or wink or ignore, but Lord, may we may we allow our faith in you to overcome our human nature and just simply trust that you will do the right thing in all cases. I pray today, Lord, that you would give us courage to trust you, to believe that all things are in your hands, our country. Our society, our culture. Lord, it's in your hands. There is nothing that is beyond your control, though it may seem that it's out of control to us. It is in your hands. I pray, Lord, that we would trust you and we would put our faith in you in spite of or regardless of how difficulties arise in our lives. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we take just a moment give pause and thought and we can pray this within our heart that we would like Abraham yield to our faith and trust in God. So what page should we? 224. 224 we're we'll seeing one verse of this song if you would like to come and pray please do this morning. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn
1: i uh-huh.